0: All right, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. I'm here with Sandra Crawford-Williamson, my co-host, and today we have Jim Palmer back on the podcast. Welcome, Jim. How are you guys
1: doing, John and Sandra? Thanks for having me back on.
0: It's great to have you back on, and if you guys remember, and you can go back and listen to uh, Jim's episode, it's eternalleadership.com forward slash 132. And Jim, what we talked about—I can't believe it was two years ago. So we've been—we've been at this for a while. But it was about creating your dream business. And I know this is a—you know—a lot of work that you do. Like how to figure out what that dream business is, how to move forward, how to actually kind of move into. And guys, a little bit of, of Jim's background—just uh, a marketing and a business expert, very on-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy, Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind, um, Dream Business Coach TV. But even more recently, you guys decided to kind of change everything about your life and move onto a boat. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But here's the topic for today, everybody listening. You know, it's going to be on really mindset. Um, you know, something we've been talking about here in our family and some of this was kind of hard to grapple with, both as an entrepreneur, as a dad, going through the life challenges I've had. And it comes from Joshua 1.9, and, and here's the verse. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we were just talking about this yesterday, Jim, sometimes... How do you? It's hard to not be afraid when everything around you is like trying to either induce fear or doubt or things like that. So, folks listening, that's kind of where we're going to be getting into with some really powerful stuff. But uh, before we get going, Jim, I'd love for you to share an update because you got some really cool stuff going on.
1: Yeah. So as you said, my wife Stephanie and our rescue dog Blue, we moved on a boat April of 2017, and we're enjoying a great adventure. And we, you know, we travel up and down the East Coast. We're meeting some really incredible people. We thought what we were doing is pretty unique, but there are literally thousands of people who do this in different forms. In the boating community, uh, the term live aboard sometimes conjures up a different thought where people buy a boat as long as it floats it becomes their floating cottage we're full-time cruisers so we're on the move a lot now we'll we'll stay somewhere for a month or two or three but then we're moving you know we're always planning where we're going next and we're talking about what we're even we're going to be doing next spring but we're meeting some tremendous people and um I got to tell you, um, John and Sandra, it's renewed our our spirit about this country because we don't travel on I-95 on this boat. We're traveling what's called the intercoastal waterway, which rolls through these tiny towns and everywhere we stop you know, and tie up to a marina. Sometimes we're in towns that have, you know, population of 800. Sometimes it's maybe 2000. Occasionally it's, you know, at the edge of a city, but people are so kind and they look you in the eye. This first little town we went into was Edenton, North Carolina. And we're, we got off the boat, we're walking through town and I, it's like Mayberry could have been filmed there. Right. And there was actually this main street. There was a, a pharmacy with a soda shop still working there was a sears little store that had a you know a a tractor out front and what really got us was when we we were passing this couple walking the other way in the sidewalk and we said good good afternoon they said well good afternoon to you we hope you're having a great day but but they looked us in the eye they weren't even holding a phone you know and um, it's just been so much fun getting away from kind of the hustle and bustle of everyday life
0: that's awesome. What what else have you noticed just as you've been popping? Around? I mean, most of us don't have that, you know, time where we're kind of getting out and actually experiencing America because we're, you know, we have our crazy busy weekends with our kids and then we get up on Monday and drive to work and come home and drive to work and come home and drive to work and come home.
1: Well, you know, there is an alternative, though, and it's not for everybody. Not everybody's meant to live on a boat. Not everybody's meant to go live in a cabin in the, on the mountains. But there are ways that you can make that happen if that's what you want to do. And I think that's one of the things in business and in life is you gotta have a really clear picture of what it is you want to do. When St- It was actually Stephanie's idea that we sell the house and, and live full time on a boat. We agreed to 18 months, which is up in a couple months. Now we're we're like the three to five year plan now because it's too much fun. But it, it was this thought that who does this?" And you know we certainly got some you know long-term neighbors friends, even some family like questioning our, our sanity a little bit like what are you doing? you know you're, you're not too far from retirement, you're investing in this big boat, not, not exactly a, a safe investment. but you know what we're living life, we're experiencing life, we're enjoying life. you know as you know from my previous interview, I had cancer when I was 41, I know how quickly your life can turn. And that's a little bit why, you know, even as a coach, when I talk about you got to take action before you feel ready, you got to get going. You know, otherwise you're going to blink and wake up and you're going to be 85 and and perhaps not physically able to do some of this stuff.
2: Yeah, you know, I sort of compare it to if you wait until you're totally ready to have a baby, no one would ever have a baby, right? That's right. It's just that that's what I as I was reading some of your stuff, that's what I kept thinking about. And, you know, one of the things I think entrepreneurs are not great at is delegating. And you talk a lot about that and that that's a real mindset challenge. Can you elaborate on that for our listeners?
1: Yeah. One of the chapters, I think it's in my book, Decide is Delegate or Stay Small Forever. And, you know, so many people are just control freaks. I mean, that's kind of the A-type hard-driving personality of most small business owners, right? And I think that, first of all, there's only so much time in the day, so you're just physically not going to be able to get more work done than you if you work like you know 24 7 of course we do need a few hours of sleep but you know the other thing is it's it's not a good way to leverage leverage is how you leverage is how you build something spectacular you have to leverage the skill and talent of other people you have to one of one of my expressions is you have to focus on high revenue generating activity for me that's working as a coach and marketing my coaching services all the other stuff writing articles posting to the blog you know, putting the videos everywhere where I'll shoot the videos, but then I have somebody else distribute them. I have you know somebody that schedules interviews for me, so I don't have to do that. I just show, I say, oh, I got an interview today. I'll show up and do the interview. You got to let go of all of that and focus on what you do best. What is your core skill or talent that was the reason you created a business in the first place? It's really hard to do because, you know, the old expression, nobody can do it as good or as fast or as cheap as I can. So why would I pay somebody else to do it? <laughs> because if you're, if you're doing work that you could hire somebody for 15 or $20 an hour for it, then that's what you're worth when you're doing that work.
0: You, that's you know, right. Yeah, Jim, you said something there that, that just connected with me that was really interesting. You know, I've always thought of delegating as getting things off my plate so I can do more that's in my strength. Right. But it's also about leveraging the strengths and skills and talents of those people that you pull into your organization also. And it's, it's about empowering them. So together, you know, one plus one doesn't equal three, it equals four or five. So there's actually a lot more power in delegation than just freeing you up to do your best work, isn't
1: it? It's exactly right. Sometimes I'll meet people at conferences or people will ask me at my own event, hey, what's the best way to do Facebook ads? Or how do you do this? Jim, what's that program you have on your website that does blah, blah, blah. And I say, I don't know, but go, <laughs> go ask Adam or go ask Lindsay. They're both here. They're, I trust them to do that. You know, trust develops over time. I don't just hire people and give them the keys to the candy store, so to speak. But over time, I've most of my people have been with me for, you know, six, seven, eight, ten years. And all I do is I, for example, uh, Lindsay Anderson, I give her a budget. I said, this is what you have to play with. And I don't know the first darn thing about Facebook ads. I, I tried to do them when they came out. And I probably peed away, you know, $2,000. I said, that's not my wheelhouse. So... This is, here's the money you have each month and you build my list, get my following up or whatever it needs. And I just have other people do that. And believe me, you know, people would look at that. Well, that's money you could have. Well, no, it's not because I stunk at it. (laughs) It's not my skill. And so by leveraging other, and and the same thing with um, uh, somebody else I'm going to have speak at my event is Ann Dietrich. Ann has been my editor for years since my first book and she knows my voice and I always I say kind of jokingly, but there's you know there's always truth in humor. Is I it's my thoughts, my ideas, it's my manuscript. But then I have Anne take it and make it sound like I passed the sixth grade English class. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's what's in my head, but she makes me sound like an author. If that makes sense. So people go, God, did you write this? I said it's all my stuff, but Anne makes me sound smarter than I am, at least writing books.
2: Yeah, and you touched on, I mean, know what the gifts of the people around you are and maximize those gifts because we only have so much time margin in a day. And I'm really passionate about the entrepreneur should be spending like 20% of their time doing ideation and brainstorming and looking forward and innovating. And instead, a lot of times the entrepreneur personality is is just what you said, the control freak. So they want to do everything and hold it. And, it, you know, it's like that scene from that uh, Chris Farley movie, Tommy Boy, they hold on so tight to the biscuit and the biscuit just crumbles because <laughs> they're not letting go of some things. Um, I think we all have those tendencies. But if you're surrounded by people and you know exactly what their strengths and gifts are then how empowering is that? Like, you know, you, you know they're going to do some things better than you.
1: It really is. And by the way, I think some Sunday you and I could watch the same movies. <laughs> I could tell if you, if you mentioned Tommy Boy, we'd, <laughs> we'd probably have this similar personality. Um, but it really is true. And um, it, it, you have – the thing about hiring people, hiring staff, it always feels – and I've, I've my team has been as big as 15. I think I'm at 13 now. It always feels like you're putting the cart before the horse, And you're like, should I be hiring somebody else now? And I always say if your to-do list is remaining the same, if that book you wanted to finish, if that podcast you were going to launch is still on the to-do list, you should have been hiring a long time ago. And one of the things I help people, one of the visuals I say, if you're out walking and working in the garden or hiking, whatever it is, and your mouth feels dry, like it, that's signaling you should have been drinking water an hour ago, right? And if your business is – if you're still not getting some very, very important things done, your business is th- thirsty and it needs quenching. And that means get some of this stuff off your plate, pony up the money, grow the business. The new income will will take care of the additional expense. But yes, you do have to invest. A business is an expense. It's not a job. You invest in a business because a business is an investment. So if you put the money out there and then it starts helping you grow and increase revenues, well, you'll be able to take care of it. But that's really the linchpin. People have a hard time putting it out first when they feel they don't have it.
0: Well, yeah. And that's that transition in mindset as you, as you, as an entrepreneur, right? Uh, You start something as a solopreneur, but then you don't have really have an organization yet until you have other people. Um, but, you know, something I want to bring up, uh, Jim, you do Facebook lives from the deck of your, your, from my captain's uh, chair, your yep. captain's chair there. And uh, you did one uh, recently on oatmeal. Uh, and I love for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love for you to share that with our audience in case they haven't seen it. And, and, and uh, first of all, before you do that, how can they kind of people kind of plug in and, and see the Facebook lives that you're doing every day?
1: Yeah, so last Thanksgiving, so we're we're coming up on a year, but last Thanksgiving I created a free Facebook group called Build Your Dream Business Now so entrepreneurs and small business owners could connect and you know through the magic of Facebook and Messenger, you know, I can share and I do trainings on Thursdays, but I also do probably th- at least 3 or 4 times a week I do a Facebook live from the captain's chair. And so let me tell you about the episode I, I recently did, but I, I want to talk about one thing that Sandra mentioned, what I do every morning, because I have to do it in the morning because as the day goes on, my brain gets tired. So morning is is the fertile time for me to be thinking about ideas and nurturing the, the creative process. It's the first thing I do when I wake up, people say, well, what's your routine? Well, I, I give thanks for the day because you know, I, I did live for about a month where I didn't know if I'd be alive in five years. But. That was almost 18 years ago. So I give thanks for the day. I count my blessings. And and, and then I get up and I go for a walk because I need to, you know, start stimulate. But I listen. I don't put on, you know, CNN or Fox or I don't put any of that crap on. I listen to like Les Brown. I'll just tie into like motivate. You, You type in entrepreneur motivation in YouTube and like a zillion things will come up. And I just listen to one thing after the other. And as I'm walking, that is stimulating my brain to think about different things. Well, this morning... I heard Les Brown say something where he goes, uh, "You've got to be insane to be an entrepreneur." But it's something like sanity is overrated anyway. And I thought how crazy that was, and instantly I thought of this moment when, when I was really struggling, I was way over six figures in credit card debt, but I ponied up seventy-five hundred dollars, meaning I borrowed seventy-five hundred dollars more to exhibit at this conference, and. You know, I, I mentioned that um, a couple people had reached out to me about my own event and said, hey, can you help me with the ticket price and thing?" And it's not like I'm unsympathetic, but and, – and it's not even like I wouldn't be able to do that. But I said that's not the smart thing for me to do as an entrepreneur right now. And I said let me tell you what I used to do. First of all, when I made the decision to exhibit at this big conference – I didn't have a, a professional display, you know, in the plastic cases where that roll through the airport and you pop them out and boom, 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 it turns into this gorgeous thing. I made a homemade display and I packed it in a big bicycle box and I dragged it down the hotel to the conference room and I set it up myself. And and I said, the other thing I did, because it cost five grand for the booth space and I had to fly myself there, I didn't want to spend another three or four hundred dollars over the course of a week, you know, buying thirty five dollar eggs and, and forty two dollar ham sandwich. So I bought a box of Quaker instant oatmeal. I no longer do this, by the way. That stuff's loaded with sugar. But back then, I bought a box of Quaker oatmeal, and I would have that in my room. Before I leave my room, I would have one or two packets, which, A, either there's a coffee maker, which makes the water pretty hot, or most hotels have pretty hot water, and I would just mix it. And I was full. It wasn't a phenomenal meal, but it filled my belly, and I went to work. And I sometimes would do that for, for lunch. Or I'd go to Subway down the street, and I'd buy a 12-inch sandwich, and I'd have half for lunch, and I'd have half for dinner. The point is, if you want something bad enough, you will find a way. And I, I so I talk about how I ate oatmeal for a week straight, and I probably saved $300 doing so.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, you know, this whole journey that you've had since you've been on the boat and moving your business to your waterborne command post – Uh, and working with so many clients. Because, you know, uh, before we started rolling, everybody, Jim and I were talking about a lot of the, you know, the reasons that people approach us as coaches, you know, what they really want out of life. And what that really, you know, as you get to work with and know somebody, as coaches, we're really looking at what do you need? You know, what's that reason behind the reason that we really need to work on, they're going to get those results. And those aren't usually part of the first conversations. But mindset is definitely a big factor in some of those need areas. And, and, and Jim, I would love for you to just share some of the things you've learned about mindset and also some of those things as you've been working with your clients from kind of this new place uh, that have also come to the surface.
1: Sure. And it's one of the reasons I wrote my seventh book called Just Say Yes, which has a picture of me in, on, in my boat on the cover, because I realized by doing this journey, by saying yes to this new lifestyle has so... Has so made my whole entrepreneurial spirit come alive because, I mean, I was doing well, but I figured for the last three years I before we did this, I was on like autopilot. Things were just going well for me. And what I think happens in I will absolutely say I've had no professional training in psychology <laughs> or anything like that. So this is my um, untrained version of what happens in the human brain. <clears throat> I think half of your brain, when you get a big idea, so where I'm going to start a business, it's going to be great, or I'm going to move on a boat, or I'm going to buy a beach house, whatever the big idea is, half of your brain, I think, gets like romantically Engaged. It's in love with the idea. It's going to be phenomenal. I mean, when we decided to move on the boat, oh, my God, I'm going to love this. It's going to be great. I literally went to sleep thinking about my boat. I woke up thinking about my boat. This is pre-living on the boat. And then the other half of your brain – which is separated by a tarp, there's a bunch of little SOBs over there called the what-ifs. And and they love throwing stink bombs and blowing up your big dream. So I imagine there's a guy, he lifts up the curtain at the bottom of the drape and he looks in and goes, oh, Jim is so in love with this idea. Now's the time. And he lifts up and he throws in these stink bomb pellets and a bunch of what-if smoke bombs go off. And the what if smoke bombs are meant to smother your dreams. And so for me, it was like, well, what if I don't know how to drive a 50-foot boat? I've never been in the ocean other than on a trip to Martha's Vineyard when I was a teenager. What if we run out of fuel? What if we break down? What if we get lost? You know, what if, what if, what if? And it starts scaring the bejesus out of you because you don't know what to do. And when you're an entrepreneur, oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to have a business. I'm going to be my own boss. No more working for the man. going to call my own shots. I'm going to, you know, earn a ton of money. All the effort that I put in is going to be Mine, And then the what ifs, well, what if it doesn't work? What if I can't pay myself? What if I can't pay the rent? What if I embarrass myself or my family? Oh, so the what ifs are really what they're dream killers. And this is going to sound incredibly simple, but it's very effective. When the what ifs start tamping down and, and raining on your big dream of a parade, you have to say, yeah, but what if it does work? Right? What if what if I do, you know, run out of fuel and I get towed in? No big deal. What if I run aground, I figure out how to get off? What if we break down and I learn how to be a better mechanic or you know, what if we just say yes and we figure things out as we move and we just have the adventure of a lifetime and that's actually what got us moving on the boat? And in business, well what if you do what if like me, what if I do waste two thousand dollars trying to be a Facebook marketer myself and I say, Okay, that didn't work, I'm gonna give my next two thousand to somebody who actually knows Facebook marketing or what if I'm going to be a speaker, I have a client right now who's a uh, a consultant and he wants to really start giving uh, keynote speak speaking engagements, and he's got three of them lined up. And he said on a coaching call a couple of months ago, he says, "I've got three. I want to knock them out of the park. I want them to be grand slam home runs. What should I do?" I said, first thing is give yourself a break. They're not going to be great." <laughs> I said, "But six months or a year from now, you're going to be so much better. It's impossible to think you're going to score a home run your fir- you know your first time at bat." And so. You're going to go. You're going to give it your best. I, I definitely agree. Give it your best. But know that each time you get up and speak, it's going to be better and better and better and better. So I said, congratulations on starting the journey, but don't put so much pressure on yourself that the first time you make a gaffe and say the wrong word I- internally, you're going to beat yourself up and get thrown off track. Nobody's perfect, but you're taking action. So got a lot wrapped up in that answer there, I'm sure. But, you know, acting before you feel ready. Don't let the what ifs kill your dream. Anyway, that's that's a good start for what holds most people back.
3: We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Are you like me, where you start a book and then bright, shiny object syndrome distracts you and you start a new one? Soon after, you got four or five books on your nightstand or unfinished on your Kindle? Well, last year, John and I both subscribed to a book summary service called Blinkist. Blinkist divides the biggest thoughts and ideas of every book into short little blinks, that's what they call them. And you can finish most of those summaries in less than 15 minutes. The app is beautifully designed and you can listen to the audio versions while reading along or while on the go. When John and I would hang out after his accident, he coached me up and one of the things that he told me to do was read at least 10 pages of a book in bed before going to sleep. But I've translated that into a Blinkist summary, so, on a few of them, like how to win friends and influence people, I've read the blinks, then reread them over a few days to really get those key points in my conscious and subconscious. Try them for a free seven-day trial, and if you use the affiliate link embedded in the summary of this MP3, or at Eternalleadership.com/slash blink, if you like the service and end up subscribing, you'll be helping to offset the costs associated with producing this show, Beauty of Affiliate Marketing. Again, the link is at eternalleadership.com slash blink and embedded in the summary of this MP3. Thanks.
0: Makes me think of like there's this gap, right, between where I am and where I want to get to. And a lot of people stepping into that gap feels almost like I'm taking a step off of a cliff, <laughs> right? Yes. So how do you help people wherever they're at in business, right? I I might have a large, you know, like, you know, a number of employees, I'm just getting started, it could be a large organization, but those stink bombs are going off. What does it take to kind of take that next small step forward into that gap? Because you said before, action, you have to take action before you're fully ready. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck.
1: That's true. And you know what I've learned from dealing with my own demons is that you can't diagnose yourself and therefore you can't prescribe the right medication. I knew when I started writing books, I should be a speaker. Well, I was definitely afraid of public speaking. And so I didn't do it. And that really hurt my business. I knew as a coach when I started coaching, I should be doing my own seminars. Well, I didn't want to do that. I'd have to be in front of the room all day. So it wasn't until some mentors really got in my face and challenged me and called me awful names. But basically, they got me to accept the fact that I'm not doing what it is I need to be doing. And it's affecting not only the growth of my business, but therefore, it's impacting my family. And I think people will justify why they don't do something because they're the boss, right? We all become an entrepreneur because we want to be the boss. But when you think about What the cost of your inaction is? I might be okay saying, well, if I only, you know, I don't know if I want to grow. Let's say I want to have a six-figure business and I I landed at seventy. Okay, that's not too bad. At least I'm making seventy. But you know, if I was to do X, Y, and Z, I could have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar business. And well, why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z? And if you did, can you see how much better life would be for your family? So, you really have to personalize. John, I think you and I talked before we went live here about the big why. You have to have a big why. What's most important? Why am I doing this? A big why, by the way, is something that's bigger than you. It's usually something else or a person or a cause that's way bigger than yourself. And when you know what that big why is, that's really what's going to get you to dig deep. Digging deep, being willing to dig deep is is a big step. But again, working with a mentor or a coach who can show you the way and and you know get you to have some small successes, which is one of the most incredible ways to build confidence and, and therefore keep going, it's really hard to get yourself out of that kind of quicksand of uh, what ifs. Well, yeah. And you know, we talk about margin,
2: right? And so, I love Philippians 4, 6, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. You know, so much, you know, our society talks about balance, balance, balance. And, you know, I have this theory that there's really no such thing because balance is just two things that are equal for a small period of time and they're holding each other up. Well, balance is just a temporary situation that's setting yourself up for failure if that's what you're trying to achieve long term. So, you know, this whole idea of of balance I think is changing a mindset. That, you know, it's more of a rhythm and going through seasons than balance. In fact, I I dug in and balance, this concept of balance isn't even in the Bible, you know, because balance is a poor goal. That just means everything's on the verge of falling apart. So, you know, this whole idea of, of delegation and mindset and margin is something that I think our society needs to focus on because we're so... You know, we have all these productivity tools and we're just jamming it and jamming things in, like jamming in, do this, do this. I'll bet being out on the boat has really made you think differently about that. Is, and that's just a theory I have because out there you're focused on, you know, just Keeping the boat going, right, and staying safe, yeah, staying safe, yep, not running into water taxis and container ships. And so, you know, what what do you think about that whole idea of, you know, is balance even real?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm not a fan of that term. You know, sometimes you hear work-life balance. Oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a business owner, but I'm gonna always be there for the family. I think it's a it's a worthwhile goal, but. You know, that's why I think it's really tough if you were to start a business when you had young kids. Now, I didn't. My youngest, I think, were 13 at the time. But if you have young children, you know, somebody mentioned to me. Something along those lines of work-life balance. I said, here's a test if you think you got work-life balance. Let's say you're an entrepreneur. You're working like crazy to grow the business, doing as your best as you can to be home in the evenings or, you know, go to some sporting events or whatever. And it's a Thursday night. You're getting – it's like 445. You're getting ready to check out because you're going to drive straight to uh, Little League or, or dance class or whatever it might be. And, um, the phone rings and it's a client, it's a prospective client that you have been like nurturing this relationship, let's say for a year and he's out of town and you are just trying to find a way to get to this, per- this person coming on board would be a game changer. And so he goes, Oh, Hey Jim, it's Don. And, um, Hey, I'm calling. I, I didn't let, I'm in town. I didn't let you know that cause I'm supposed to be flying out. Actually right now, my plane was canceled. So I got to stay here tonight. I'm flying out in the morning. I know you've been trying to see me. Uh, would you like to come have dinner with me? So what are you going to do? Well, you better take the appointment (laughs) if you're a serious business owner, right? And you know, now I guess somebody else could then say, yeah, but if there's balance, if you're not doing that all the time, if if you if you haven't missed many kids' events and things like that, then missing one wouldn't be a hard thing. So I mean, it's not to say that's it's all or nothing, but you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have to make some tough decisions, some tough choices that might go against some of your uh, other beliefs as far as you know being a parent father or, or mother
2: yeah no absolutely you know in fact you know sometimes resting can be good in, for the long run you know it's like I kind—I call it these seasons you know there are seasons where you know it's 60-70 hours and, the, and how we handle it in our household is we just have a family meeting and we say hey you know Mom's starting to teach at DBU this semester, and so things are going to be a little different. But you know, the, she'll only have her first semester of figuring it out one time, and so we need a little grace. And we're going to figure it out. And here are some changes we're going to put in place. And so, you know, I just always think communication is is the key in being proactive. You because know, you're right. I mean, you you have to. You're going to disappoint some people because you can't be everything That's to right. everybody, right?
1: Yeah, you said something earlier also with, with struggle, and I think one thing that's helped me, and it's, it's always been a struggle, but I think I'm getting better at it, is, ex- first of all, accepting that I'm not in control. God's in control. God's in control of everything, and, you know, whether it's a good turnout or, or not the turnout you hope for, you know, God gets the glory. I was, uh, uh, we're, we're currently in uh, Maryland, and I was brought out to do a, um, a keynote address in Pasadena actually on my birthday. And I was told there'd be like 150 to 200 people in the room, which would be good for me. And, um, you know, literally a week before we were supposed to go, I'm checking in with the promoter. He's got like 50 or 60 people there. And he was starting to freak out because, you know, he wanted to bring me out to a big group. And I said, listen, don't worry about it. The, The right people will be there. I mean, you know, it turned out there was, I think, 82 or 83 people, but it was a good 82 or 83 people. And I gave it up. I said, Lord, you're going to have whoever needs to be there will be there. I was grateful for the opportunity. And it worked out really well. I mean, 20 people bought tickets to my next event. So it was a it was a great outcome. I didn't need 150 or 200 people. But the reason I told that story is you you have to accept the fact that you got to work hard. You got to do your part, but you're not in control. God's in control of the outcome.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Something that um, I've sort of started adopting here because I've added something else to my plate is um, think soul instead of schedule. Right. So we're so into schedule. And, you know, I'm a working mom of three and now professor and doing the podcast and consulting on the side because that's what really pays the bills. Right. Right. Um, I've just learned I have to say no to things. It's just absolutely critical And, you know, I can have all the technology in the world and be the best plate spinner in the world and super efficient. But if I keep being overscheduled, that's not good for anybody, right? It's the power of
1: no, Sandra. That's the power of no. You know, I learned from um, Melanie Benson is just a phenomenal mindset coach, been helping me for years. And knowing that most entrepreneurs are already, you know, 24/7 for the most, just for the sake of this expression, they're already, you know, working like crazy and there's not barely a free moment. Right. And so what she says is if you've got this great opportunity and it looks like a game changer for you to be able to say yes to it, you have to say no to something else that's currently going on. You can't think I'm going to fit this in to the already packed schedule and think things are still going to go well or that that's going to get the fair shake. So you have to learn if you're going to say yes to something, what are you going to say no to?
2: Yeah, I've even heard um, a ratio that to say yes to like the big right things that are going to move the needle and that are even going to be eternal and have you know, eternal lasting effects, that you have to say no to seven things. So that for every big yes, you have to say no seven times to other things to give yourself the energy and, and the, you know, just the, the mindfulness to take on that big thing. I don't know if it's seven to one, but it's certainly the case. And I went through a phase where, you know, started my own consulting practice and coaching and speaking. And, you know, that was a big step, stepping away from corporate America and that solid paycheck and benefits and 401k and profit sharing. And I went through this phase of about two years where I was letting fear and insecurity drive me. And so, It was, you know, people would call and say, hey, Sandra, I was just curious. I'd say, yes, yes, whatever it is, yes, (laughs) Um, you know, because they wanted me and it was something and I was so nervous about this change. And so I I learned that the hard way myself because you can't be everything to everyone. You have to have the margin to do a great job at the things that do matter and that are eternal. And so, I've created sort of this filter. And so, when things come along, the first thing I, I look at is, okay, is this going to have eternal lasting effect, right? Is it going to help me leave a legacy? Is it going to move the business to the next generation? And most importantly, is it going to have eternal effects for the kingdom? And then the second thing I do is I say, okay, here are my here's my Ephesians 2.10 a uh, set of gifts that he has given me, you know, from birth. I've been through the Halftime Institute. I've done all the assessments. You know, I have a coach. I know what my strengths are. And so I put that that next thing through sort of that filter of, of my strengths. And I've learned to just say no to things that don't fit those two criteria. And But boy, was that hard. And it's still hard. It's still hard every single day. But I think that's the most important thing that you have to do as an entrepreneur. Yep, yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Jim, there's been some awesome value bombs here. I got a whole page of notes here. So let me kind of summarize my some of my key takeaways here because I think this is really important for folks. And I'd love to have you maybe add on. The first one is really get connected to that big why that you have. Revisit it. This whole conversation about the power of No. I really think that why is huge in giving us that guidance and information on what to say yes to and what to say no to. I say no to things that don't don't move me toward that why. The other thing, you know, actually, I'd like to just point out, right? You are what you you know, the dream business coach. You've created your dream business, your dream lifestyle. And one of the things that I recognize through my accident is, you know, what at any time, every day, we have a second chance. And in that second chance, we have the opportunity to completely rewrite the script, to create the business, the life that we really, you know, that we lay in bed and that we want to dream about. And it absolutely is available, but there's some things that might be holding us back. The other one here is put yourself in challenging situations, act before you're ready. I love what Jeff Goyne says, action is what begets clarity. And a lot of entrepreneurs get that reversed. They want clarity before they move into action.
1: Oh, yeah, it's big.
0: Right? Uh, the other one is delegate. Not only does it free up yourself, but it's leveraging the strength of those around you. And guess what? Uh, especially if you're a smaller business, don't be afraid to hire. I'll guarantee you. Uh, I wish I had brought on my assistant uh, long before I did. I didn't bring her on until three years into this. and Man, it's been, it's been life-changing. Uh, the other one, I love your habit about every morning, read and w- or watch something that's going to sow into you. I remember when I got out of the Navy and into business, my first mentor told me the person I was going to be in five years was those people you associate with and what you're putting into your mind. And he challenged me to read a, a book on personal development and business every single day, at least 10 pages every day. And I've been doing that now for 25 years. That's Awesome. And I think the other one is, you know what, get help. You know, there's people like you, like what I do, what Sandra does. And you know what, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they're really smart. They can figure it out. But why take three years doing something that probably could take you three to six months if you had some help doing it?
1: That's a really big one. I call that making ego-based decisions, you know, you got to have a healthy ego to be an entrepreneur. So I'm not saying, you you know, don't be this meek, timid person who's afraid to say, hey, look what I did. You know, you've got to have an ego because you got to put yourself out there. If you're not willing to put yourself out there, believe the one thing it, to me, whether you sell a product or a service, your prospective customers are looking for two things. They're looking for hope and certainty. If you don't emit incredible hope. If you don't just project certainty, they're going to go choose somebody else. So you have to be able to stand up and say, yes, I am this good. Now, all three of us on this call, we know where our power comes from, but that doesn't have to be in every sentence you utter in a business setting, right? But I know where my power comes from. I know what my God-given gifts and talents are, but you have to be willing to say, this was a big uh, life change for me when my goal of creating a dream business became more important than me doing it by myself. So I could then say, look at me world. You know, when my goal of, of living my dream lifestyle became more important than how I got there, that's when life changed. And so when I had this mentor and he said, you know, you need to do this, this, and this. And to me, I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. I I might do part of that. I'm not going to do that third thing. And you know, the second thing you mentioned, I'll do half of that. Well, This guy just created like enormous success for himself. That's why I was listening to him in the first place. But I just held on to, hey, look what I've done already. I'm pretty good myself. And I was just holding on to ego, which is not good. It's not good. And when I finally realized that if I would just do what he told me to do, I'm going to be so much farther ahead of the game that I'll actually have what it is I'm working so hard for if I just do what he says, you know? And so that's letting go of the ego. That's wanting to, like, wanting the, the life that I have now is so much more important to me than me. Because you've heard me. How many times have I given credit to, you know, that uh, Jim Vaughn's newsletter? I've given credit to Melanie Benson. I've probably mentioned three or four names. And I, all, I always do that purposely because I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I'm smart enough to know who to listen to and, and how important it is for me to, to take direction and counsel and encouragement from the right people because we're not meant to operate in this vacuum. So ego matters, but uh, the willing to do what it takes to get where you want to be when the goal becomes more important than your ego, that's when you're really going to step up your game
0: yeah well said. now, Jim, how do people connect with you? And by the way, uh, I have some friends of mine that have gone through your dream business academy. Imagine everything kind of we're talking about, but a three-day intensive workshop. You can probably share a little bit more of this where you're walking out of there with the game plan that you need. But how do people you know connect with you, find out more, get in touch with you?
1: Well, so my home base um, online is getjimpalmer.com, getjimpalmer.com. The Facebook group I mentioned, it's free. It's called Build Your Dream Business Now. You, so you can either search it that way or you can go to dreambizgroup.com. It's just a quick, easy to remember link that will get you there, Dream Biz Group. If you're interested, I'm not sure when this will air, but my next Dream Business Academy, September 26th, 27th, and 28th in San Diego, and that is dreambusinessacademy.com.
0: Awesome. You know, kind of as we wrap up and everybody's been listening into this, what what final thoughts do you have for everybody?
1: You, you know, uh, God, Les really got in my head today, but, you know, he said, you have greatness within you. I totally believe that. I think you have seeds of greatness within you. At my last event, let me let me share how I, I'm, I'm a very visual person, so I'm just trying to figure out how to, how to get a message across. So I gave everybody a packet of seeds, wildflower seeds, which looked beautiful on the cover. I said, you know the thing about these seeds? If you left this packet sealed up, you could like look at it 10 years from now or 50 years from now or God forbid bit a hundred years from now, one of your grandchildren were to find this pack of seeds as they clean out your house, you could open that pack of seeds and you could still grow those wildflowers. But as soon as you open those seeds, they're exposed. You, you have to do some things. You have to put them in the soil. You have to water them, etc. You have to go through what I call some crap. You have to be willing to get wet and cold and be lonely. And next thing you know, if you know everything works, you're going to be one of many, many wildflowers. So you have seeds of greatness, but you got to be willing to go through some crap initially to get there. It's not easy. If it was easy we wouldn't be talking about the top one percent it would be the top 100 percent because everybody would do it right so the people who are enjoying massive amounts of success those are people who have stepped up one more thing i'll say about success because i was like especially on a show like this this god wants god wants you to live an abundant life and you know for stephanie and i one of the drivers for us this is part of our big why is you know we we do a lot for um some special charities and nonprofits. And people sometimes will say, Jim, I'm not that interested in money. I I, want to do my business to help other people. I said, that's great. But one of the best ways to help poor people is not be one of them. So grow a wildly successful business. And if you want to give away all your money, you can do that. (laughs) But, you know, it's fine. I totally appreciate there's time and money and we all got to give our time and that too. But there's nothing wrong with growing an incredibly successful business and doing some good with that well
0: yeah you know it 's interesting i uh I was just talking about this with uh, guy rogers who 's the CEO at Pinnacle forum it 's interesting uh Jimmy, when I sit down kind of with my faith based clients and i 'm talking about that dream life, you know what do they want, what do they want to accomplish, and i got to tell you they it 's like they 're listening to a voice sometimes that 's judging everything that they write down, yep All right. I want a successful business, I want to have this kind of cash flow, this kind of revenue. But they forget to the, sow that, right? That sow that I can, you know, be passionate about this cause, that I can fund mission trips. But whatever it happens to be, I can give more to my church. And I think it's absolutely, it's okay. You got to start listening not to the voice of the people you think are judging you that are throwing those stink bombs under the under the uh, tarp, like you said. Yep. But what's God's voice in there, right? If he gave you the gifts and skills to be an entrepreneur, which is not everybody— having a goal to have a large, successful, profitable business so that you can do, that facilitates then other things that you can do in your life, that God's put all that on your heart. You're also creating amazing opportunities for the people that work for you. You get to sow into them, mentor them, lead them, you know, figure out how to help them personally. I mean, there's so much, I really think one of the biggest forces for good and kingdom work is actually as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, In the marketplace, because you you get to have an impact and an influence on so many people that you would never talk to, you know, even if you're very active in your church. Quite frankly.
1: There's an expert because a lot of this would have to be in another show, but a lot of people have hang ups with money. You know, I think I really believe that if you're a stingy SOB, when you're poor, you'll be an even bigger, stingier SOB when you're rich. And by the same token, if you're a generous person, when you're poor, you're going to be even more generous when you're rich and you're going to reach out and help people. And there's nothing better than helping someone get a car repaired because they can't get to work. And, you know, you're teetering on the break and you just through the church, you're able to do it anonymously. And you know what you did. God knows what you did. But, you know, you, you don't go post it on Facebook. Hey, I just gave this money, you know, but you just do it because God has blessed you. Right. Anyway. So yeah, that would be a, that would be a good conversation to have someday. Wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. Let's do it. We, we, we actually need to do that. I think that would be a great topic for our next time we get together. I don't know where in the world you'll be. Um. <laughs> I'll be well, on this
1: we, boat. I don't know. I, where I, I, I,
2: I think it should be a live interview. And we join him on the boat somewhere exotic
1: that that we could make that
2: happen <laughs>
0: yeah i'm thinking delaware delaware's pretty exotic
2: oh my is that where you live
0: john <laughs> no i'm in denver I'm oh, in okay De- i know you can't get your boat here unless you have a giant uh truck and a crane but yeah that's not gonna happen sorry no, not gonna happen <laughs> all right buddy awesome great talking with you thank you so much for sharing that that was fantastic and i really encourage people to plug into jim he just has so much, His your, your podcast, Jim, your videos, uh, your blog, everything is just, man, it's just so equipping and practical, just a, a, a great resource. It's one of the few sites I have bookmarked here on my, my top bar. So thank you, buddy.
1: I appreciate that, John and Sandra. Thanks so much for, for having me on.